Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Well, actually, well, screw that. Welcome to week 13. Uh, officially, it's Thursday. Uh, we don't get to say that very often. This is the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, Jakey Jakey is here with us. What's up, Jake? What's up? Uh, you know, I, I had to do it yesterday. I have to do it again. I'm still pissed off at Disney for canceling DuckTales. All right. Thanks for putting that in there. And Eric Moody, how are you, man? Any any childish things you'd like to share? No, no I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, survived uh, Thanksgiving. You know, my uh, my large plot of land. You know, to follow up with uh, last week's uh, comments, so it was good. I'll say the only thing childish that I can add is uh, it was my son's birthday. Uh, it actually fell on Thanksgiving Day, and so um, one of his one of his gifts was actually watch a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie in its entirety. Now he just turned nine, so he was able to watch the Avengers from start to finish, no parental interruptions at all. So he loved wow. it. What a cool gift. Eric, have you checked out like my recent rankings? I did the movies and the superheroes. I, I did. Yeah, I was looking at that. I was looking at that earlier. Yeah. It's you should be ashamed of where you put Wolverine, but you know, we can get into that later. It's, hey, if you read the explanation, it's, that's why. Because everybody just is like, oh, Wolverine's the best, period, done, whatever. He's just he's too cliche. You put him low point. to be contrarian, but I mean, come on, Jake. No, I did it. It's just honestly, the the movies were kind of inconsistent on in how what they, they it was awesome to start. Then it got somewhat inconsistent, and then they were too whiny with the whole stuff with Gene. And like, I understand they did it in the cartoon too, but like, it wasn't to that degree in the way that they did it. And then the dreams and stuff, and then they just destroyed him in Origins. That was just a terrible movie. So he's just all over the map, and people just want to put him at the top. He's super awesome, cool, but there's better superheroes. I like the Origins. All right, let's get into fantasy football. We get, if we we got some time whoa, left at the end. Whoa, 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 oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! You can't be. Oh. You liked Origins? Yes. Oh wow. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into. Uh, so here's on today's show. <laughs> Nobody's listening to you. I th- I, we'll talk about that later. Off air. Off air. Uh, no, <laughs> we have to talk uh, offline, Jake. Um, so we got some interesting things on today's show. It's, it's a little kind of all over the place, but the theme is we're helping you in week 13 and 14. Uh, so there's not like a trend like we usually, you know, like every team or like we're looking at backup running backs. This is just kind of like fingers on the pulse of everything that's happening. Uh, if you go to the site, uh, Moody's got a, a story up today that's really good that's going to help you. It's like fringy players in weeks 13 and 14 who have great matchups or are trending in the right direction. Uh, just tweeted yeah, it. Yeah, Jake just tweeted it. Make sure you check that out. It's very it's very good and helpful and in-depth. Um, and Jake's got his rankings, obviously, beyond the Marvel Universe. Um, but let's start. <laughs> I, I kind of want to start with the Jets because we've had – I think four stories now this week. It, this is today's Thursday. It's Thursday morning that have prominently featured Denzel Mims. And we actually had to title things differently to not have Denzel Mims in every single column's <laughs> headline. I ju- it just seems to me, uh, Jake, I'll start with you. D- like Denzel Mims, people are, I mean, he's, he's, he's trending in the right direction. He's getting targets. He's, he's playing like 97 percent of the snaps. Um, he might be clicking with Sam Darnold. Uh, and, and actually Brandon Howard wrote something about how Sam Darnold, you know, the quarter, he wrote a good column about quarterback changes and who's going to benefit from those quarterback changes. And they seem to have a rapport. Um, is Denzel Mims, we talked about him on the show before, but is Denzel Mims someone you could maybe put as your third wide receiver or your flex option and kind of get like these, you know, 12 to 15 point game possibilities as we roll into the playoffs? I think that's the possibility. The concern is I'd probably put him in the same conversation of Michael Pittman. There's a concern that the chemistry might not be there in the certain matchup. You know, Michael Pittman got a ton of targets last week and just didn't hit. And that was the concern before that was like, is my, is Pittman's going to see it every single game? The same situation is he might see it every single game, but it might not click every single game depending on the matchup. But the one thing I will say about it's twofold is so 
I was wrong on Crowder last week. I had him back inside the top 30 wide receivers because I was Sam Darnold. It's his guy. That's who he goes to. And in the first game back, and I looked this up on Sport Radar, is the target percentage actually went up for Mims and Perriman in that game. And Crowder was just basically similar to what he was with J- Joe Flacco. Now, I don't expect that to be the same every single game. But what I likened it to was when John Brown was healthy with the Bills is that Cole Beasley always sits into that slot third and snaps, but just behind the other two guys, but that consistent floor, low ceiling type of guy where it's eight to 12 points every single week. And I think now if you look at that game, it's only one game to go off of with, with him back, with Darnold back. But I think you see the likings of that offense and where the second part, Nando, is I'll admittedly another one I was wrong on. And not so much wrong on Mims as a player. It's just I didn't expect the Jets to move him around the way they are. And I mean that in his route running. Like, I expected him to be very much of a nine-route, deep-threat guy, Mike Wallace, very much like Perriman. And if so, I didn't expect a ton out of him as a rookie. But they're forcing him over the middle field. They're making him take break routes. They're making him run posts and stuff like that. So that's also helping him. And they're just letting Perriman stay as that deep guy. So I do think there is value with Mims. Eric, uh, if you agree, feel free to, like, we could, we could talk about Perriman. We could talk about Crowder. Um, Frank Gore's averaging 3.7 yards per carry, and basically Ty Johnson's been a non-factor. Um, and even you know everybody's favorite tight end, Chris Herndon's kind of popping his head up a, a little bit here and there. So, your take on Mims or any of the Jets here, because it seems like that's it's like the reputation precedes them, and everyone wants to joke on the Jets, but they kind of have an okay offense here that could you know over the last five weeks could finish you know like 14th maybe or 15th maybe. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of touch on yeah a lot of the Jets players, you know, Sam Darnold, you know, Perriman and Mims, you know, Crowder, and just kind of bring them all uh, back together. But uh, when you look at uh, Mims, uh, Crowder, and Perriman, you know, Mims is the guy uh, that I want. You know, as you know, Nando and, and Jake, we've all had conversations about it. Is that uh, you know, Mims, Mims is the guy you know that I love in this offense. And Jake brought up a number of really excellent points. You know, I do like how they're moving them around, running. Um, a robust, uh, you know, route tree, uh, which is which is optimal. And so I, I view Mims as more of like a kind of an upside wide receiver for four. You know, he's still, you know, being featured in a way in this uh, abysmal, <laughs> you know, Jets offense. But one thing with Rashad Perriman and Mims, they've seen a steady dose of targets and uh, receiving, you know, air yards per game, you know, over the, the last four weeks. Uh, when you look at Crowder, you know, he's more so of a low-end, you know, wide receiver four. You know, he's not getting targeted downfield, you know, because of Perriman and Mims. And that's really suboptimal, you know, for fantasy purposes, like in an offense that's like this. As far as with Gore, uh, I do like the volume that he's getting. I'm like, he's accumulated 38 touches, like, over the last two games. Biggest concern is obviously going to be negative game flow. That's going to be his biggest obstacle, you know, to overcome. You know, the Jets, you know, they do have some good matchups, you know, Raiders in week 13, Seahawks in week 14, you know, but they could struggle, you know, against the Rams in week 15 and the Browns in week 16. Now, bringing it all together, when you look at Sam Darnold, I think one question that the Jets are asking themselves, and I think fantasy players too, is that does Darnold, you know, have the skill? I'm like, this is a, yeah, I'm like, he hasn't thrown a touchdown in his last you know, you think four stars, you know, hasn't surpassed with 200 passing yards in, in many, many of his starts. Uh, and I bring that up just because you, you look at the NFL, it, it's a passing league, you know, where 300 yard games have become the floor and not necessarily the ceiling. Uh, and I know Donald lost four games this season because of a right shoulder sprain. You know, he's also dealt with injuries to his wide receivers, but you know, really he's at the point for where the time for excuses, you know, has passed the best quarterbacks in the league find a way to overcome these hurdles. And just Darnold isn't making the best decisions overall with the football. And so with him being more of a QB three for the rest of the season, it unfortunately bleeds in all these other skill position players. You know, so I was, I was trying to quickly look this up when you mentioned it, because the, the jets have been very unorthodox in, in how they've kind of operated this year. Um, and I guess under Adam Gase, just overall everything. I was like, I, I, you talked about the game script and I wonder if the Jets are just an anti-game script team that, you know, will, will stubbornly kind of stick to running Frank Gore. Um, so I was pulling up, I was pulling up some sport radar stuff just to see how they did. I mean, obviously fourth quarter is when they'll be losing a lot of games. Um, but give me a second. I can come back and, and grab that number in a minute. Uh, all right, let's wrap up the what, Jets. What number are you looking at? Like how much they passed or just yeah, I was gonna say passing yards, rushing yards, passing attempts, rushing attempts in the fourth quarter. Oh, in the fourth quarter? I was going to say, because yeah. I could tell you passing versus rushing on the season, but I just happened to have that up. 
No, I, I want to see, like, the ga- we're talking game script. I just want to see, obviously, the fourth quarter, the Jets suck. They'll be down. Well, um, I'll try and pull it up for you while we're, while we're doing this. Well, I was going to do it and ask you a question. I've already got everything pulled up. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I was just trying to, you're Thank running you, the show. I was trying to save you steps while you're trying to do what two things holiday, at once. Yeah. What a beautiful holiday thing. Um, Raiders. Uh, you know, they're another team that kind of, like, top to bottom is, is just annoying, confusing. Um, everyone thought that Derek Carr was going to have a great game against the Falcons. And it seems like the Falcons have actually been kind of strong the last few weeks. Um, Jake, we talked about this with Claudio Bellafato on the Tuesday video show. Um, but it's, it's just, it looks like they're lacking a rhythm and it's like, you know, like it's, it's, they're good. They're bad. They're good. They're bad. Um, Aguilar, you know, he looks good, but his, his, let me give you these numbers. Nine, two, three, four, nine, six. Those are his targets. The last six games, uh, Henry Ruggs. So close to a touchdown last week, stepped out of bounds. Josh Jacobs banged up. Uh, Darren Waller's being taken out of games left and right by the opposing defenses. Jake, diagnose the Raiders for us and tell us what to expect going forward. I thought I did in the articles. I thought, I, well, I thought you were going to get to the point where like, I know. I, and so what I was talking about in the waiver column with this situation is that the Jets have now turned into, it's going to be one-ish every single week because it's still Darren Waller. Darren Waller's been inconsistent. But even with Derek Carr's only second bad game of the season, it came at the worst time when everybody was ready to trust him. Uh, it's been Aguilar Ruggs is starting to finally make noise, and it's been Hunter Renfro. So I'm going to play it purely as matchups going forward. And the reason this was, came into the conversation, the, the sleepers part as well, is because if you're going into this matchup, I said Hunter Renfro is an amazing play this week, in my opinion, because if you've seen what the teams have done to the slot, and the Jets in general, but especially the slot, I threw out Keenan Allen, had 16 receptions for 145 and a touchdown. Some people would be like, oh, well, it's Keenan Allen. Well, Jacoby Myers had 12 receptions for 169, and Cole Beasley had 11 for 112 against them. So if you look at it, I'm going to try and predict the best opportunity, and this is a Renfro situation. Now, at the same time, just for a heads up for everybody out there, uh, it sounds like that Aguilar missed practice yesterday being Wednesday, so there's a chance we might actually be able to say Ruggs and Renfro are the only two at, at this point. It's uh, it's kind of annoying, um, I, at least for me. I have, I've kind of went hard on the Raiders, and I have you know several Jacobs, several Ruggs, a lot of Waller. Um, no well, the Jacobs thing thankfully. is my fault. I traded for him in my home league before the deadline, and he got hurt. Oh, Everybody I traded, like, legitimately, I, don't know, I traded for Deshaun Watson. He lost Will Fuller. I traded for Josh Jacobs. And there was one other, I don't know if Bella remembers because we were joking about on the show, but I traded for like three guys, and they all either got hurt or had a situation like Deshaun Watson. It happens. Uh, Moody, where are you on the Raiders? This is, you can't trust any of them, right? Or can you? You know, I think about the Raiders. One word, you know, comes to mind frustrating frustrating i'm like they are frustrating i I think that they are they were like sleepwalking in this last game which i think is entirely possible considering like henry ruggs and some of these other raiders players were up late watching the mike tyson and roy jones fight and tweeting about it i'm like you guys should be asleep you got a game to play um but Derek carr you don't think it fired him up you don't think tyson fired him up I don't, I don't think so. They, they, right. they need, need, need to get the rest, <laughs> especially with the time zone change and you know all that stuff. But anyway, it's easy now. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just disappointing with Carr. I'm like he he followed up his best game of the season against the Chiefs with the stinker, and he's had some really great matchups coming out of the bye week, and just hasn't been able to consistently capitalize. So he's definitely more of a blow in QB two for me. And again, similar situation to the Jets. I'm like his, his inconsistent play is going to bleed to every single fantasy asset on the Raiders roster. Darren Waller, you know, he's still a tight end one, or tight end one, you know, just given this landscape. Um, let me think about Josh Jacobs here. Ankle injury concern, just considering the, you know, the volume that he had uh, at Alabama, not really used to being a bell cow. I'm like, he has averaged 23 opportunities per game over the over the Raiders' uh, first 10 games. Devontae Booker, I'm like, he would be fantasy relevant if Jacobs, you know, were to miss time, but he's not going to inherit the entire workload just considering the contract that the team signed Jalen Machard to earlier this year. So both will be involved. Jake brought up some really good points. You know, I was going to touch on that. He beat me to it on a Hunter Renfro. Do you like him a lot this week? Uh, more so than Nelson Aguilar. But when you look at Henry Ruggs and some of these other assets, I'm like, they're, they're not any higher than like wide receiver fives at this point, at least in my opinion. Gotcha. Uh, Did you find your stats yet? Not yeah, I got the stats. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to interrupt anyone, Jake. We're having a nice flow going. So, the Jets, it's I mean the Jets, yeah they they play like a normal team in the fourth quarter. 
The Jets are dead last in fourth quarter rushing attempts with 41. Uh, the Jaguars, the Eagles, the Lions, and the Bears are the five teams ahead of them. Um, anyone want to guess who has the most rushing attempts? In the fourth quarter? Yeah, in the fourth quarter. I uh, will say the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, uh, we, we, I have family... a chart up. <laughs> oh, JG. <laughs> I have no. Well, I hey, it was still a good guess, at least because your chart's a little bit different. I was doing pass percentage versus rush percentage in the fourth quarter. Oh, gotcha. So, so, we got so my top five are Jaguars, Eagles, Bears, Jets, Lions. So a little bit different than yours. The top five in rushing attempts in the fourth quarter: the Browns, mm-hmm. the Patriots, the Saints, the Dolphins, and the Titans. Which is interesting. Yeah, see, uh, the percentage is Browns, Ravens, Saints, Cardinals, Raiders for me. By the way, also to add to your thing, Nando. I think mine's more fun. Yeah, yeah. You're more, yours more. The pace situation. So the funny thing about the Jets is when they're a neutral game script, they're about middle of the pack. Their pace, when they're down by six, middle of the pack. When they're down by seven plus, middle of the pack. They, their pace, pers- like, their act- like their aggressiveness and getting plays out there doesn't change. That's it, man. It's so weird. Uh, I'm telling you, so, no, you, you love, you love random theories. I keep saying this. He's Kaiser Soze in the NFL. Like he's just out there saying, I'm not playing anything smart this year. I'm not using any smart plays. I'm just going to go out there. keep doing the same damn thing to get the number one pick, go 0-16, get Trevor Lawrence. And next year is when I reveal my playbook. <laughs> Maybe. I, I don't know if that's Jake. That's a bad theory. <laughs> yeah. You love weird. I theories. love weird theories. It makes sense. That one doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Why? Why? What if they, he knows that he's not getting fired? Why would you give anything away on this team this year? Uh, I mean, for the uh, would you want to be on a team that's purposely tanking to get a quarterback who you don't even know is going to be great? There are a lot of number no, one. You're talking about Trevor. When you're talking about nah, when you're talking about Trevor Lawrence. Look, I know the players wouldn't want to be because we've talked about this with other players before, and they say you know they're going to try and win every single game, but. I'm just saying, if this is very rare because this is the point that D'Angelo made. It's like, first, if the front office wants it, the coaches probably aren't going to get on board with tanking because they're coaching for their jobs. The players are never going to get on board because they're playing for their jobs. But if Gase is on with the front office, because he is the front office, essentially, I'm just saying, it's the crazier <laughs> things have happened. Let's move on to the Cowboys. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, Jake, uh, got your uh, little behind-the-scenes Reveal here, Jake Seeley picks his own photos for his columns, uh, and he threw CeeDee Lamb in there this week. Um, yes. I think this is going to be interesting because that Cowboys game was moved Tuesday night, and it's it's going to be like that That game is chock full of so much X factor and intrigue. Like Ezekiel Elliott, is he going to suck? Uh, what are the receivers going to do? Is Lamar Jackson going to play? Who's going to get the share of the, you know, Justice Hill looked good yesterday to a degree. Who's going to get the lion's share of the running back carries for the Ravens? Can Hollywood Brown catch another touchdown? It's like this crazy list of things that could completely destroy or propel you into the playoffs. Um, but Jake, let's start with CeeDee Lamb because I thought you had some interesting points about him uh, as the slot guy for the for the Cowboys. And this, I mean, this is week 13. If you got Lamb, I think most people who have him are starting him, but you made a compelling case to be like, yeah, you should definitely start him. Well, yeah, the compelling case, as you mentioned, is the slot opportunity. So he's been running a ton of his routes from the slot. And then just last week was fifth most at 82.5%. But similar to last year, the one area that you attack the Ravens on their defense, and it's it's what you see with a lot of really good pass secondaries, is the opponents kind of give up and say, all right, well, we're going to have to beat you quickly. We're going to have to beat you over the middle of the field because that's where you can get more separation easier. So similar to last year, you beat the Ravens in the slot. This was before the Steelers game. I was waiting for the stats on that. Like some of the, Maybe I could try to see if it's been updated, but – before the Steelers game, and I'm assuming it went up because they just faced Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster, who did most of the work in that game. But they were giving up 40.7% of receiving yards to the slot. That's the second most in the NFL. Number one was actually the Steelers, so they probably flip-flopped. But that's why. It's, it's just that's where they're vulnerable, and I used a stat. like I knew that's where they were vulnerable, but used the stat to back it up. And if you have that kind of a number, 40% of receiving yards – or going to the slot, and you have somebody who spends that much time in the slot and who has shown to have chemistry with Andy Dalton. Actually, Cooper does too. He, Andy Dalton's essentially made Michael Gallup irrelevant. He's kind of turned to Cooper and uh, CeeDee Lamb, similar to what we want with a lot of teams. It's just two wide receivers, and we know who he's going to. So I think CeeDee Lamb is you know, a borderline must-start this week. All right. Uh, Moody, are you as enthusiastic as Jake? No, I, I am. Yeah, I'm very enthusiastic about. Oh, he said no. Lamb. I was like, what? Uh, oh yeah, I was like, oh, we're gonna have a fight. 
<laughs> no, no, I, I agree with Jake because he brought up some really good points about the um, you know number of fantasy points given up in the slot. You know, receivers can be very productive there against the Ravens, and uh, just with that connection that Andy Dalton does have uh, with CD Lamb, I'm like, I view CD Lamb as a high end wide receiver rank, you know, for this week, and it's not out of the realm of possibility that he finishes you know, really with the most fantasy points of any Cowboys offensive player, including Ezekiel Elliott. So no, I, I like the move quite a bit. Um, I'm trying to think about someone else. So, you know, when you have like a thought that pops into your mind and then you, you can't bring it back, but it, it may come back to me later. Always. So you, we, we, we can move on. <laughs> when you're trying to remember. Hey, remember just some, jump in and shout. Yeah, we're trying to remember somebody's name. Actually, the updated numbers, they're still second. Steelers still number one, 41.5 for the Steelers, 40.4. They fell 0.3% somehow in that game for the Ravens. Interesting. Tight ends, uh, Moody, let me stick with you. I, I just want to head on last night's game really quickly. Is there anything at all uh, that you can take from this game and kind of make some kind of actionable advice moving forward? Um, let's just assume Lamar Jackson's going to be back next week, so we won't we won't touch on the quarterbacks <laughs> and the crushing R, the crushing RG3 turn of events. Mondo is texting me text that Jake. for everybody out there. It was so excited. He had the huge run. Like, he's back. This is awesome. And then next play. Tears his hamstring, or whatever he did to it. Um, Eric, is there anything you looked at and you saw like, all right, you know, I could maybe, maybe I'm going to pick up Anthony McFarland or something like that. Did anything at all jump out at you? Yeah, to be candid, you know, nothing really, you know, jumped out at me. It, it was again another one of those weird weeks. You know, it's a Wednesday afternoon and we have a, have a football game. <laughs> uh, it's same thing for the players. You know, their their schedule was completely disrupted. The kind of the vibes that I ended up getting from the game is that. They wanted to play the game, obviously, but they just wanted to get through the game healthy. So I didn't really have any. Yeah, I, I didn't really have Which many not. You know, kind of takeaways. I, I will tell you, it was very disappointing and, and just kind of crushing in a way just to, to see uh, RG3, you know, with the injury, because it was brutal to me because it really summarized like Griffin's entire career, like in one play, because it showed us like what he once was and what could have been. And I think in what is most likely could be his, his final start of his NFL career. I just don't see it. Oh, don't you dare, man. He'll be Jets quarterback next year. I, I just can't see a team wanting to invest in him uh, like as, their, as a starter, perhaps as a backup. But you have to think at this point, the way he entered the NFL, he's really more of like a system type quarterback. And his biggest asset was his mobility, which he clearly doesn't have right now, given the ACL injury and his age right now. I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but that's just kind of how I view the situation, Nando. Well, that's hurtful to my collection of RG3 cards that I've bought over the last three months. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Jake, <laughs> don't don't worry about RG3, but is the Steelers' defense, um, you know, it's, it's been like, oh, don't, don't start your guys against Steelers' defense. But with Bud Dupree out for the season with a torn ACL, I mean, he was one of their premier defenders. Nobody really talked about a lot, I guess, in fantasy, but... Um, do you downgrade them at all? You're like, no, 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 they'll be okay. Things will be yeah, all right. I, same thing I've been saying most of the year about the Steelers defense. I'm not moving much off of Bud Dupree off one player. Similar to the Browns with Miles Garrett. Everybody's like, oh, Miles Garrett, what are you going to do now? It's, it's still a good defense. Yes, of course, you see teams more impacted, like the Bears are a perfect example of somewhere where you can take one piece and really see Akeem Hicks. Last year, we talked about Akeem Hicks and how bad the defense was with and without him. And we just saw it in one game, how they went from one of the best pass defense to get it. And they faced Aaron Rodgers. That's part of it, too. But there are some players where you can see more of an impact. I think Bud Dupree will be felt, but I'm not all of a sudden, you know, saying, oh, go start your guys against the Steelers. Where you start your guys against the Steelers is similar to Ravens, slot opportunities, but also big plays. And it's not the, the Hollywood Brown one. Sidebar is just annoying and frustrating. Nobody predicts that. That has nothing to do with it. But that showed the one vulnerability they also have in addition to the slot is the Steelers are actually top of the league in giving up pass plays of 20-plus yards. So that's not something that – is it had anything to do with just a uh, trace McSorley is just a throw up and he got bailed out with they, they've been susceptible to that all year. Jake, you mentioned the slot a lot and uh, you know, we have access to sport radar. Um, where can just anyone who's like, who hears this and wants to go look this up, where's a good place for them to see who's playing the slot a lot. Who is, is there a normal, who, a normal who site plays the slot a lot. <clears throat> like who's been playing a lot in the slot percentage. Who's who are the leaders in that? You know, yeah. if you want to see, all right, who's the, you know... I mean, outside of Sport Radar, right? Yeah, because people... I think... Yeah. Let me check. I think FTN with Pat Mayo and Brad Evans are friends. I think yeah, that... Yeah, good guys. I think they do. I'll check in the meantime. You, okay. You know I mean, you could, like, 
give me a heads up. You're going to ask that. Well, well I, it just hit me because you mentioned it a few times. And I'm like, you know what? If I'm just like <laughs> well, a normal person. Because I talk about sports radar. And that's why I always give them credit when I tweet out. But unfortunately, like you said, most people, they can't access that. So I'm trying to find somewhere where they can. I don't check anywhere else. That's All what right. I'm trying to. I know. I know. That's I got the same. I got the same issue. That's why I asked you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he, you could have figured out. So yeah, well, maybe Jake will do it. Well, I don't know. I tried to quietly type, but you were wrapping up. So I got to go back to, I want to go back to Moody with a new question. Um, look at, looking at roster construction for the playoffs, Moody. Rank these players in terms of wanting them on your roster. Let's say you got an empty spot right now. You can add one of these players or keep one of these players or make one of these moves. Who would you rather have on your roster? Donta Foreman, Daryl Henderson, Rex Burkhead, Leonard Fournette. They're all kind of in their own different little places right now. But going ahead, and you don't have Derrick Henry. This is just straight up in a vacuum. Who do you want on your roster of these four? Foreman, Henderson, Burkhead, or Fournette? Yeah, for me, it would be Henderson, uh, Fournette, Foreman, and Burkhead. Uh, I know Henderson's play has kind of trended down, you know, since he's, you know, come, uh, since the Rams are coming out of their bye week and also he's been dealing with the injury. But I'm like, the Rams are providing their running backs nearly 29 opportunities per game. Plus, they have a very good uh, offensive line. You know, that's run block really, really well, you know, this season. And so that's why I would I would want to go with Henderson. You know, Fournette, I'm like, it's been a frustrating backfield uh, in Tampa Bay. But I'm like, you know, did, they did acquire him for a reason. You know, he'll continue to be involved. And then with Foreman, you know, it, it's worth just stashing him if you can. Again, not a player I'm going to go gonzo over and just to try to drop a, a valuable asset to acquire. But when you look at Derrick Henry's schedule, I know Jake's talked about this a lot, like on the podcast and also in his column. I'm like his schedule, I'm like he's positioned with the way that he's running the football right now, you know, to be a, a league winner single handedly. Very nice value in drafts for those that invested uh, in Henry, you know, the latter part of the first round. Uh, so that, that's how I would break it down. Uh, as far as with Burkhead, it's just so tough to predict what's going to happen in the Patriots' backfield. Uh, that's why I would end up having him like on the tail end. You got Sony Michelle, you got Damian Harris. He might not come back. Burkhead. So yeah, Jake brought up a good point. He may not even come back. Oh, so right, that's why yeah, I have him actually, last. he's not. I don't think he is coming back. I don't even know why I put Burkhead yeah, in just, there. My bad. So you're gonna switch it to James White? By the way, I, I, I found it. It is. Yeah, make it you James White. If, oh, you if you go to FTN, yeah, if you go to FTN, if you go, it's if you search. So it's in a weird spot. If you go to wide receiver cornerback matchup tool. They show the percentage of the time slot left and right, and you can just sort by left, right, or slot. Do you know oh, who, nice. do you know who right, cool. leads the league in slot percentage? Uh, Hunter Renfrew. Cole Beasley. <laughs> Cole Beasley is a better pivot to number three. Anthony Miller's two. C.D. Lamb is number one. Well, there you go. All right. This is fun. We should have done Family uh, Fantasy Feud. Yeah, sorry for putting Rex Burkhead <laughs> in there. I don't know. Like, I brain farted last night when I was writing this. So, James White. Um, there you go. Would James White still be number four, though? I don't think so. Who are the four? You named so James White. I was looking Dante up the Foreman, Daryl Henderson, Leonard Fournette. Oh, James White would be number one. I don't even want to trust. J- I, I hate yeah. that backfield, but James White's back to what, what Moody was getting to. And then before Burkhead got hurt, Burkhead had kind of taken James White's job, surprisingly. So it'd be James White. Then for me, Henderson, Fournette, and Foreman. What I tell people, people keep asking, like, you know, do you think Foreman is definitely the backup if something happens? And I said, yeah, but... I don't think he's getting the workload that Henry is getting. I think he's going to be split more whether McNeil, McNichols is healthy or whether, I don't know, Darrington Evans, if he's allowed to. If, I don't know if he's on the season ending IR or if he's eligible to come back. But he's good. I've heard he's eligible to return. Because I'm a big Donta Foreman guy, so I've been kind of tracking Darrington Evans as well. Okay. And it looks so, like he was three-week IR ready to return. Yeah, so I think he'll – but the point being, he's going to split more than Henry would. Fine. Rain on our parade, Jake. Uh, Eric, you, you mentioned something very in passing about how people were grabbing uh, Derrick Henry on the back end of round one. What do you think it was why people weren't like there wasn't like that person. I mean, like Derrick Henry should be number one overall. You should be getting Derrick Henry or at least he should be in the top four discussion. Um, I, I assume that that whatever was holding someone back is gone for next year. Right. I mean, you can make the case that Henry should be your number one overall pick, maybe perhaps. Yeah, I, I think it's something that people can consider because. You know, I'm thinking back to the summer where some may have been turned off by Henry, you know, where they drafted, uh, you know, Darrington Evans. And then many may have had some concerns about is he going to be used as a receiver, you know, out of the backfield. But I, th- I think the Titans made it clear whenever they provided Henry, you know, the contract, you know, that he was going to be used heavily. 
And you know, he's always been a very productive runner. I'm like the guy's like a like a human human wrecking ball. You know how he mows over defenders. And so I'm like he was just a nice value. You just imagine at the latter part of the first round of drafts this summer. You know, landing like a guy like like Henry. And then if you're able, lucky enough to get like Devontae Adams in the second, you know, he's another guy that was readily available in the latter part of first round drafts. So, yeah, I think when you look at Henry, you know, he's got to be in that top three conversation going into 2021. I know many are like, oh, Christian McCaffrey, you know, Saquon Barkley, you know, Alvin Kamara, people bring him up. But, you know, Henry's like an old school juggernaut type of running back yeah. that I that I like. McCaffrey's great and all, but he's just not is is good as a, a runner in between the tackles as guys like Henry and Saquon Barkley. So that's for where, you know, I'm, I'm higher on guys like Henry. Kind of went down Do the rabbit can... hole there, but that's that's my guy. No, no, that's where I wanted to go. Do, do we consider McCaffrey maybe a little fragile going forward? Is there, is there an no. argument to say he's fragile? Jake, two no. totally different injuries, unrelated. No. For, yeah, 16, 16, and 16 in his first three yeah, seasons. I mean, well, look at Keenan no. Allen. Keenan Allen flipped it, but I mean, it's the same thing. He was fragile. No. Now he's a 16. It's not. It's, 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 it's one. Se- so, Saquon Barkley, is he fragile? That's one injury. No, it's two. That's two, I guess. Yeah, you're right. And soft tissues. Is he? Then maybe he is. I don't know. And ligaments. And Derek stuff. Henry no. is not the, fragile. I, I, no. Hey, Derek Henry, we, Derek Henry until this season has always missed time. I don't think he's played what did he play 16 games two years ago. And if I remember correctly, there's like a game towards down the stretch where was, he was banged up mid game. And that was the frustration that year. It was like, Oh my God, it was like, just stay in the game, stay healthy. It was like, I think it was like the Colts or something like that. It was right before we got to the fantasy playoffs. I don't remember. Beller probably does. Cause Beller's got a freaking steel trap over there. If you remember in every single game, but um, everybody out there, Michael Beller, our host, you hear about other stuff. Henry's so, played 15 or more games every year. 15 or more. Yeah, so this is 16, 16, no, no, no. 16, 16, 16. He, Christian McCaffrey had played every damn game at 97% of the snaps before this season. He's not yeah, fragile. That overuse yeah, get it out of fragile. here. No, get it he out of here. Overused. He's not fragile. No, he wasn't. And I'm going to, this is where Moody and I aren't going to agree. No, Derrick Henry is not a top three pick for me next year because even to date, even with the last two games of Alvin Kamara getting destroyed by Taysom Hill, he's still behind Kamara and Cook and not just in points, points per game. The downside of Derrick Henry is because everybody plays half and full point PPR these days, and you have that floor where he still rushes 20 times, but he gets you 70 yards and no touchdowns. So next year, I'm still taking Zeke back with Dak. I'm still taking Christian McCaffrey. I'm still still taking Saquon Barkley and Cook and Kamara. So he's fifth or sixth. And if you want to make the case, I'm not going to say you're crazy to make the case. I'm not saying Eric's wrong to want to take him inside the top three. I'm just not going to do it because of his passing limitations on the season. 14 for 93 receiving. Zero receiving touchdowns. Like that's that's why is because you want to talk standard non or not because it's not standard anymore. You want to say non PPR, absolutely top three. But half and full point PPR, he's going to sit outside those guys. I don't know, man. If you're playing 15 or 16 games a year and you're getting 250, 300 carries, like I don't care if you're not catching 45, <laughs> 50 passes. I, I I care when you're playing 16 games in a row for three straight seasons. In the last two seasons, you're touching the ball three or 400 times as well and catching the ball 100 times with Christian McCaffrey. All right, Jake. We'll see what happens. It's not like you have rankings titles or anything. No. Here's a weird one that I that I found that confused me a little bit. And actually, it plays into – I, I brought this up before uh, I read Eric's column, um, where, Eric, you actually you, – you advocated for Jarvis Landry, and you said that, like, you know, you look at what happened last week. It was the first time Landry and Mayfield played together in favorable weather without Odell Beckham Jr. Um, but looking ahead to week 13, this Browns-Titans game has one of the highest over-unders of the week at 54 points. Um, and I feel like I'm missing something. Like I wouldn't look at a Browns Titans game and be like, well, that's going to be the highest scoring game of the week. Um, it's, I don't know. Am I, am I missing something Moody? Is there, is there something there that like, that screams, this is going to be a bonanza or, uh, I don't know. Not like, I'm not looking for a gambling angle of this. I'm actually looking for how this translates into fantasy points, because obviously if you're scoring 54 points between the two teams, you're looking at at least a 27, 27 game. Uh, well, I, obviously I know that there's you know, the implied team totals and everything, which I didn't look up. So anyway, there gonna be a lot of points scored in this game, according to the Vegas lines. Um, Moody, what do you think, man? Is this, is this right? Like who's, is everyone just going to explode? Yeah. It's one of those scenarios where I, I could see everyone exploding. You look at the Browns and Titans, you know, with their defense, especially their secondaries. I mean, they're allowing a high number, but just 
PPR fantasy points per game, you know, to uh, offensive players. I'm like, you've got a number of viable fantasy options on both sides. You know, Ryan Tannehill, you know, he's um, kind of a mid to kind of low range QB one uh, this week. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, you know, he's obviously on the streaming radar. Uh, you know, you keep your fingers crossed. Weather won't be an issue. They've kind of had that black cloud of bad, windy, rainy weather. So hopefully the good weather continues. Literal, you a literal see black Jarvis cloud. Landry. Yeah, yeah, it's just been crazy. But, you know, you were able to get a taste of what Jarvis Landry and Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, can do. I know that was uh, someone I mentioned in the column last week, you know, before he went uh, before he went boom, you know, Jarvis Landry. And he's a wide receiver, too, you know, for this week. I think another guy I like is uh, Corey Davis. Uh, that's someone else that I mentioned. He's kind of uh, criminally underrated and has similar production on a per-game basis in recent games with uh, A.J. Brown. So I think the, uh, the over-under is is, is, uh, is is warranted, you know, just given uh, the offensive weapons and the way these defenses are performing. So Jake, samesies? Samesies, how? I mean, this is going to be this – is, this is right. This is going to be kind of a game where it's – I think I actually think 54 is the highest out of all the game totals. Yeah, we talked about it yesterday at the ranking show. I, I think the, the situation uh, – Sorry, I didn't listen. I haven't listened yet. No, no, no. <laughs> it wasn't like a – I mean, we were talking about the same thing as what I was saying. I'm about, I you know, first Rex Burkhead and now this. That wasn't like, ha ha. <laughs> it was just a, yes, we mentioned the same thing. Yeah, I think it's really going to come down to, as crazy as it sounds, it's going to come down to Baker Mayfield. Like, is Baker Mayfield going to have a decent game? Then, sure, because the Titans, I'm not concerned about them putting up points against the Browns defense. And what we talked about in the ranking show, too, is this could actually be a T- Tannehill type of game where Derrick Henry doesn't need to do as much because the Browns' pass defense is worse than their run defense, which isn't good, but it's middle of the pack. So maybe Derrick Henry only, and I say put that in quotes, only needs to run for like 90 to touchdown, and Tannehill has one of his three touchdown games. This is what I said yesterday. So what it's going to come down to is can Baker – play as well uh, you know is it a weather or, i just feel like we keep making excuses for baker mayfield all the time it's weather it's this it's nodal beckham well he's forcing the ball to odell beckham so he's better without him well he did without him but his everybody was not healthy and coming back just stop making excuses for baker mayfield that's what it comes down to for me baker mayfield is an inconsistent average quarterback end of story I love when you get fired up. You want to ask if somebody to really get fired up on Baker Mayfield? Get Emery Hunt back on the show. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm in a, well, I cut Baker Mayfield in the Superflex League. What do you feel about good? that? Yeah, I do, actually. I feel like I just did can't do click, it anymore. Did you click like, the have button with your middle <laughs> finger? <laughs> no, I, I'm not. I'm not. Look, I'm not angry at the guy. He might be a nice guy. does a lot of charitable work. So, you know, it's just, it was just, he wasn't working for my team. Um, Okay, that's our uh, that's our over under talk and our uh, gambling element for the day. <laughs> Let's move on. This is a very specific question here. Um, Curtis Samuel, his last three games, he's obviously on a bye this week, and that's kind of where this question, the genesis of this question was. I was just looking at players who were on buys. You know, the final bye week. Do you want to cut somebody to to prime your roster for the playoffs? Curtis Samuel in the last three games had seventy or more yards. He's had nine, ten, and then two games of five targets. Um, he's been he's been on a roll. I mean, he's got three touchdowns in his last five. He's been very, just very, very good. Um, and it, it seems to be like he's he's gotten he's almost like McCaffrey proof. Like there was a theory that maybe he would lose a lot of his his production when McCaffrey came back. Didn't have McCaffrey's out again, obviously. But the game he was back, Samuel had his best game of the year. Um, the question is. He still has been a little bit up and down. I mean, before the breakout, these last few games, he's you know he was doing like forty yards a game, um, you know, five four targets a game. So here's the question: Do you drop Curtis Samuel? Is he droppable right now? If you're looking ahead to the playoffs, and I know this gets into like who else is on your roster and stuff like that, but basically just in in general, and I'll go to Moody first because I know Jake's going to get into the whole I don't know who's on no, your I'm team not. thing. Oh, you know, no, all right, then Moody I'll go first. to Jake first. All right, I'll go to Moody first. Is Curtis Samuel someone you can drop to grab like one of those? And originally it would have been Devontae Booker, but he's actually in play now. I guess Donta Foreman or someone you like who's a hand, just a straight handcuff, who's, you know, getting three carries a game right now, but an injury away. Or do you hold on to Curtis Samuel in the hopes that this hot streak is real and he's kind of like a playoff hero? Moody, which way do you go with Curtis Samuel? Hey, Curtis Samuel is a hold for me. Yeah, I would continue to hold him. Uh, I know you brought up some points of kind of how he's performed, you know, over the last three games, but he's getting a, a high number of opportunities. Like over the last six games, I'm like, he's averaged nine opportunities 
and 17 PPR fantasy points per game. I'm like the Panthers, you know, they play the Broncos, Packers, and Washington from week uh, weeks 14 to 16. I, I think he's a plug and play like wide receiver three or flex option. And we've, we've gotten a taste of what he can do and he can easily exceed, you know, projections or that kind of wide receiver three expectations. So he, he's a guy I continue to hold. That's my opinion. Jakey, Jakey. Yeah. So the Curtis Samuel thing is similar to Mike Davis and, and both of them come back to Christian McCaffrey. And that's why they're holds for me. So you can't drop Mike Davis because you can't drop any backup running backs of that caliber at this point of the season, unless you just absolutely like if you had zero moves like you own Godwin and you know McCaffrey and I don't know even Robbie Anderson or like and you just you can't drop anybody like that might be the only case you could do it and even then I still wouldn't want to but the reason I said this because Samuel too is a lot of slot work so you got to match up opportunities but if Christian McCaffrey is out he's been proven to get that kind of worked in touches with Mike Davis he's kind of almost their RB too so if Christian McCaffrey comes back in his first game and Tunando's fret over here gets banged up and hurt, and now he's injury prone when he comes no, back. Jake, I didn't mean he was going to get I'm hurt when he comes back. I'm just poking meant- fun. I'm just poking fun at you. I'm not serious. Well, it's hurtful sometimes. <laughs> so, but you know, let's you know, even joking aside, if Christian McCaffrey comes back, goes ballistic in the very next game in week 15, gets hurt, and then for the championship game, Curtis Samuel could be a wide receiver three. Like I just wouldn't want to drop Curtis Samuel. All right. Uh, Rams Cardinals. Uh, th- this is an intro. Th- I'm just talking specifically about this game, the Rams Cardinals game. Um, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Interesting. And I, I, I so I posted to Vaccaro on Tuesday, and uh, he wasn't as jazzed about this theory. <laughs> but say you have uh, Kyler Murray, or say you have DeAndre Hopkins. Kyler Murray is obviously still a little banged up. DeAndre Hopkins likely getting locked down uh, by the Rams defense. Um, say you have Alvin Kamara, who's not catching as many passes as Taysom Hill's quarterback. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, but I mean, I, I'm throwing away that Denver game. It was such a weird game. Like maybe he was going to do that if they no. had a. Well, he Denver actually caught one of them against. just for negative yards. <laughs> there you go. See, but the point is, and this is crazy gameplay and a little deep, but I think it could benefit some people listening who are going into the playoffs with some of these players who, you know, have been scoring a billion points for him all year, and now suddenly roles have changed or situations have changed or maybe just a matchup is bad. Do you take your other spots where you have... And I'm asking this because we get these questions. I know Jake gets them. I'm pretty sure Moody gets them. I get them. Do you, you know, should I play player X and be safe or should I do player Y and go for the crazy upside even though he has a bigger floor? So the question is, like specifically if you have these players now whose, whose roles and, and expected point totals are changing... Do you go for that big swing or do you just kind of have faith that things will even out? Like, do you change the way you play the game? You've been playing it one way and it sucks because of the playoffs now and you kind of have to look at it with a, with a kind of a skewed eye. Um, I'll go to Moody first again. Do, are, are you changing your, like, would you rather go for the guy who has that upside and maybe like a great matchup, but you normally wouldn't start because you're like, well, I, I'm, I've lost like five points off Camara. I know I'm going to lose like maybe six points off Kyler because he's hurt. Hopkins is going to go from like maybe 21.5 points to 14.5. If that, you know, if Jalen Ramsey's all over him, do you start looking at it? Like I've got to make up some of these points and I'm going to go for these big swings, big risk guys. Um, and you know, risk the playoffs or do you kind of just steady as she goes? Let me go with the guys who got me here and, and, and just keep, keep on keeping on and have faith in them. Yeah. I'm leaning more towards the steady as she goes approach. I'm like, you know, we've seen what Kyler Murray is capable of, you know, in the Cardinals offense. Likewise with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, same thing with Alvin Kamara. I know it's a little bit different with obviously Taysom Hill, you know, that's there. Brought up a really good point about the Broncos game being just kind of like a weird game. But I always look at like these players overall statistical, you know, body of work. Just not not to allow like recency bias to kind of get me to make poor decisions. But I think if you look at their body of work, they've produced before, put them in your lineup. But also just examine the other players that you have in your starting lineup. So just kind of get an idea, almost as if it's an investment portfolio, thinking about kind of here's my my core like investments. What are some other kind of satellite investments or, or players in your lineup where I may be able to take on like a little bit more risk? But you don't want to kind of take on risk on every single slot of your, your you know, your portfolio or your lineup because at the end of the day, when, once the dust settles on like week 14 or week 15, you may be looking back and saying, that was a boneheaded decision I made. I just should have kept Kyler Murray or Hopkins in. 
but I'm all about kind of managing risk. That's for where if if someone's listening, if you're on Twitter or um, you know you're a subscriber, uh, always asking questions. Give me a line of sight of your entire lineup because that's going to dictate on what what choice or recommendations that I give you. So I would advise everyone the same thing here. Well, I don't mean like benching Kyler Murray. I mean like your wide receiver too, where you'd normally start. I don't know some boring dude who you know will get you 11 points versus. Some guy who's playing the Seahawks. Well, not the Seahawks. They've been better lately. But yeah. I'll just say the Seahawks, whatever. The Seahawks, just for an example, um, who you normally wouldn't start. You project for maybe like eight points. But you're like, oh, you know, he could have 17 with this matchup. Yeah. That, that's all I meant. Like, do you start trying to make up points with a lot of risk as opposed to just playing it cool in the other in the other spots? No, I, I w- yeah, I would end up still playing it cool, like in, in those other spots. I'm like, you can figure out like which, like whether it's my wide receiver three or my flex spot where you can take on like a little bit more risk. But I would even challenge that person and say, okay, you don't want to play, you know, boring John Doe in the wide receiver, uh, wide receiver two spot. I'm like, help me understand. I'm like, what's your rationale of playing player Y over this person? Sell it to me. Sell me on why. Hope is not a strategy just because you think this guy is going to go off. Um, like you, you have to have some data behind what's going to cause me to steer away from this decision. Gotcha. So I, I would still just kind of stay stay steady and then just figure out if it's in my flex or my wide receiver three spot or however your, uh, you know, your, your, uh, your league lineups, how they're constructed, just to figure out where can I take on like a little bit more risk without completely like torpedoing my team. Jake, uh, have I gone too far, or are you seeing where I'm going with a strategy question? No, it's the same thing I answer every single year, and just don't overthink it. People get caught in this trap every single year because I have to win. I have to make the playoffs. I have to win now that it's a playoff game. It's no different than week three. First of all, this you didn't really get on it, but I want to touch on it because it goes hand-in-hand hand with this for this, what people ask. Well, I'm facing blank and blank this week, so I need more. Yes. No, no, like evaluate your lineup what I'll, t- I'll let everybody know the right hand even my home league i do n- i never look at my opponent's lineup ever until i check in the box scores on like sunday afternoon and then i see who they started i don't ever look at my opponent's lineup i evaluate my team i look at my team i play my best players if i think my team like i'll give you my home league right now i might be without josh jacobs i forget the other person's like i legitimately don't have i have to go to the waivers i don't have a wide receiver right now or running back i don't have a flex right now because of all the injuries happened this past week i got decimated by the buys and the injuries so that's where i might say you know what because i'm so risky to begin with because i'm already scraping my own roster I might go more boomer bust in that flex spot because I feel like my team's desperate to begin with. Evaluate your own team. And the second part is it's no different than week three. It's no different than week eight. It's no different than now. It's evaluate your own team. If you think you need, it's kind of what Moody was touching on without saying the exact same thing. It's evaluating your team. Tell me what you need and then go with it. I'm not benching a wide receiver too because I want to say Slayton has an 18 point ceiling. Slayton also has a zero because he's banged up right now. As Dan Dugan's been talking about, he thinks something's wrong with him, but he's facing the Seahawks and people overthink it. Uh, you know, all the time people overthink. I'm facing Deshaun Watson. Should, should I play Brandon Cooks over DK Metcalf? No, don't offset the opponent. Evaluate your roster and think what's best from there. Got it. Love it. That's what I was looking for, Jackie. Thank you. You're welcome. What a good guy. Uh, real quick, I, w- I want to hit on this Eagles situation uh, just for a second, and then we can get into your Marvel superheroes, Jake, if you'd like. Um, <laughs> I'm good. I'll let you and Moody fight it out. Uh, I do appreciate how many people love the fact that Gambit needs a movie. It, there's a lot of Gambit fans out there, thankfully, but go ahead. Gambit was in Origins, so we're all set. No, that wasn't that, whatever. No. Uh, J- I just want to know what's <laughs> going on with... Oh, just like your gentleman's opinions on the Jalen Hurts situation. I, you know, I'm, I'm fully bought into Eagles spent a lot of money on Carson Wentz, so they're not going to bench him. Uh, maybe there was a misdirect with, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to play this week a lot without Carson Wentz on the field. Uh, mm-hmm. Moody, let's just say the tide turns a little bit and they finally, they're like, okay, I, I get it. Like my job's on the line. Maybe I should start Jalen Hurts a little bit. A, is that a wise decision? B, what can we expect from Jalen Hurts if he does get any kind of significant playing time? Yeah, because you, you brought up a pretty good point. I think it's it really comes down to, to dollars and cents. You know, they have so much invested in Wentz. It's, it's going to be tough to kind of pull him out there. I know Emory, uh, Emory Hunt kind of tweeted that out, which I was kind of chuckling once I read it, you know, because it, it, it's true in my opinion. But um, I just think if Hurts does get a significant, like, opportunity, I really have low, like, expectations. 
I just don't think he's going to come in and necessarily set the world on fire. I think the Eagles have like a, a host of issues, which I think go beyond just Carson Wentz. And so I think really for a guy like Hertz, you know, having an offseason for where he knows that he's going to be the starter or at least a front runner to, to earn that role, like in you know training camp, et cetera, preseason, uh, I think he'll be in a better position for success uh, that way. But I, I know with the Eagles offensive line, I'm like, they haven't done a really good job of protecting uh, Carson Wentz. You know, if you just look at the, you know, number of quarterback pressures that they've allowed, you know, the sacks, you know, all those turnovers that he's had. I'm like, part of it's on him, but still with the offensive line play has kind of hurt them as well. And so I just don't really see a guy like Hurts coming in as a rookie at the tail end of the season where he doesn't have multiple starts under his belt, kind of elevating a situation like that. That's my take. Jake, how about you? Yeah, I was just talking about this with last night, and I forget with who or where. I was looking in the rankings comment. I didn't put it there. I don't remember where I put it now, but I was having this conversation. I said, it's not just what Moody said. A lot of people are pointing to it and say, well, if Carson Wentz didn't have the contract that he had, we'd see Jalen Hurst by now. But no, the second point, which was what I was, gonna, I was assuming Moody was going to make because we're, you know, analyst on players ability is I don't think he's ready what I said about this in his pre-draft profile is he has the rushing upside if somebody was and I think somebody was asking about where he would be as a quarterback and I said I would come oh it was it was our column that's coming out that's where it was Brandon Funston's column about asking where Hertz would rank and I said he'd be similar to Taysom Hill and Cam Newton rushing upside I'm concerned about his passing a lot of progression read issues coming out of college where he'll get locked into his first one or not move on quick enough when there's coverage on him so I don't think you're going to see a great passer if he even – so it's twofold. It's even if the Eagles were like, fine, the contract doesn't matter. We just need to get away from Carson Wentz. I still don't expect immediate success for Jalen Hurts. I think that he needed that year at least, if not potentially two. And I think that's why the Eagles took him. Similar to Love's situation with the Packers is – they saw this guy needs a year, potentially two, sitting behind somebody to learn and develop. So the rushing upside for fantasy purposes would be fun, but I think the arm could be a big issue. All right. All right. That's fair. So, I mean, people are just stuck with Carson Wentz. It's, I mean, is there any world where Carson Wentz might be, you know, he's probably floating out on a bunch of waiver wires right now. Um, and I, this, is definitely yeah, a super, is. this is definitely a super flex and maybe more of a DFS question. But is there a world where, where Carson Wentz with, you know, he's got a healthy team around him. Um, finally, at long last, Zach Ertz might be back at some point uh, on top of everything. Is there a world where Carson Wentz maybe throws up a couple 20-point games before the season's over? I think Superflex. I think there's a world where he did it because he's done it a couple times. Even take away the Hail Mary against the the Seahawks last week, and that saved his week. Uh, But, you know, Cleveland, I'm pretty sure, was in that range. He can still do it, and the schedule going forward for the last 14, 15, 16 so I, I think it's still there, and especially with Ertz back, he has the weapons, but I think that's also why everybody's hating on Wentz at this point is because it's, you know, how many excuses, similar to Baker Mayfield. You're, everybody's already almost healthy, and now you're going to get back Ertz too. If you, you can't do it at this point, then it's 100% on you. No, nah, Moody, are you on, you on board? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that because in his situation, <laughs> it's even more clear-cut than like a guy like Darnold because he's been in the league, you know, longer. And has, you know, really solid team built around him. So, yeah, I'm like, it's on him at this point. But he's, he's not a guy that I'm rushing to, to, to put into lineups because, as he's shown, he can implode at any given time. And I just think there's other viable options that can perform better than Wentz, you know, in, in, in a super flex at least. Right. Um, yeah, he's going to be, I think he's going to be a weird X Factor next year. Uh, anyway. Shout out to our producer, Michael Beller, uh, for Jake Seeley. For Eric Moody, I'm Nando Dufino. We hope this is very helpful. Good luck getting into the playoffs if you're not there yet. Good luck getting a high seed if you're in. And, uh, you know, good luck just hanging out and watching football for week 13 if you're uh, very, very far out of it. Talk to you all later. Uh, oh, 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 good luck playing spoiler if you pick up the right people and you're out of it and you screw over the top teams. We'll talk to you later, everybody. Have a good week 13, however short it may be. Bye.